0: Welcome to the face-off spot. This is your host, Adam Larson. This is episode, oh, what do we have? 13, 14? I think we're at 14 now. Yeah. Fourteen. So, episode fourteen is uh, sponsored by Rubes Brews. Please, uh, you know, check them out on Instagram, Twitter. Follow them. They have a couple new beers out. You can order them now. Before you couldn't order those beers. Now you can order them. You can try them. Uh, You don't have to take our word for it on uh, whether or not it's good beer. So, check them out. Um, So, I know I put an announcement out yesterday, which I haven't done for any other guest. That this guest today was going to be, you know, very special and somebody that I have. Uh, looked up to since i was let's see six years old um to go kind of give you a little bit of his resume real quick um he played 16 seasons in the nhl he played 914 consecutive games which is a second all-time he was the 1974 nhl all-star mvp and out of all of that the thing that I remember him for the most out of all these accolades and everything that he's done is he was the coach of my favorite professional team of all time, the Tulsa Oilers in the 90s. Okay, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. Gary Unger, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Well, it's great to hear your voice, Adam.
0: Hey, it's been it's been way too long. It's been way way too long. I know that you've been uh, up north for a while. I've been traveling the country, but uh, it's really good. To, it's really good to hear your voice too, Gary.
1: Yeah. Well, your dad is a great friend of mine. Uh, ran the rink in Tulsa when I was when I was there, and you were running around as a little kid. Yep. And now you've transpired into a uh, a, a radio personality. Yeah. Your voice- Great. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, hey. Hey. I, I I appreciate it, and uh, you sound uh, you sound great too, Gary. And uh, I certainly do. You know, kind of want to go back through those those Tulsa the roots that uh, I have, and and kind of back to I don't want to say uh, the glory days for you guys or the glory days for me, but I kind of you know a little bit later on the episode, I just want to get to how awesome you know some of those you know Tulsa Oilers games were, and and just some of the players that you had there. But I I kind of have this this thing in the podcast, you know, I, I usually have guys that have either, you know, played hockey or they've worked at rinks or somehow they're involved, you know, kind of within the rink industry, if you will. But I kind of start everybody off at the same place. Um, and I know this might kind of seem weird for you with, you know, all these professional accolades that you have, but I kind of just want to know, like, how did you start playing? I know you're from Calgary originally, but how did you, how did, how did young Gary, how did, how did he decide, how did he get pushed out there? Or was, or was it just a thing where if you're Canadian, you have to play hockey? How's that work?
1: Well, my, my dad was in the Army, and I was, I was born in Edmonton. Uh, and back then, it was really cold in the wintertime. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, we, I never skated indoors until I was probably 14. Wow. So when, when winter came, everything was frozen. It was frozen on the roads. I lived in a, what they call PMQs, which is a permanent married quarters for the Army, on on the Army base. Mm-hmm. So all our roads, we weren't on, uh, you know, the traffic was very very light, and the roads, they didn't put junk all over the roads. So we skated on the roads and played hockey on the roads, and, uh, you know, my dad bought me a pair of skates when I was, I think, three years old. We had a rink in the backyard, and uh, everybody everybody just you know to to keep busy rather than rather than stay in the house when it's freezing cold it was it was hockey
2: yeah and
1: uh so I started skating when I was really young uh something that I loved to do Uh, I would go to the rink as I got a little bit older I would go to the rink on Saturday morning and it was outdoors so they had a big they'd have the hockey rink in the field and then next to on, on the actual field without boards they'd have a big skating rink where the girls could go or or you wanted to just go with your girlfriend or whatever and skate out in the field so it it, it just it, it was just kind of a way of life in canada yeah and uh yeah. it was something that i enjoyed to do and i just continued to do it and and had
0: fun with it hey well no that's awesome well it, it just kind of sounds like maybe you guys didn't have any other option everything's covered nice you can't walk around in your boots or your shoes you got to wear skates right that was- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There was no computer, so you couldn't stay inside and do nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's, that was our life. So oh. we just, we, we played hockey and, uh, and, and went to school. And, and I was always a sports guy. So, yeah. you know, in school, I, I, was, uh, I played volleyball and basketball. And we had a, a, a game that kind of got me ready for hockey. It was called murder ball. Murder and uh, it was a big medicine ball and you had two teams oh. and there was no rules and and you had a mat in the middle of the floor and, and you had to get this ball to that mat. Yeah. So uh, it was a it was a really unique time i think for for kids growing up because uh, it, it, everything was involved around sports
0: yeah no but that, that that's totally totally awesome um but at, at what point you know because you know you're obviously skating around everywhere but uh, was there a certain point where you kind of realized like hey like i'm actually i'm pretty good at this like I, I i might try and you know i might try and make something out of this cuz obviously you said you like sports but you know was was that your main one and if so did was there a certain point where you just kind of realized like hey like i i think I'll do all right.
1: Yeah, I you know, Saturday Saturday, Saturday mornings we would go to the rink at, you know, early, and there'd be 50 guys there, Yeah. you know. Yeah. So you wouldn't even pick teams. You just, depending oh, on yep. what of jersey you had on, you you threw the puck out on the ice, and, and you just played. And if you didn't know how to stick handle, you didn't know how to skate, you never touched the puck. Mm-hmm. But everybody just kind of went went crazy. And uh, one day my dad came. I think I was probably seven, seven or eight. He said, well, there's a, a community down here that's got kind of organized hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go. And it was only Saturday mornings. You go Saturday mornings. It was for an hour. Uh, they they had an actual team. I don't remember what team I was even on, but it it wasn't 50 guys on the other team. Yeah. It was just you know, normal a normal game. Yeah. And I started playing. I, I I liked it. I look forward to the games and, and like you say I just I continued to get better. I remember the first day, first time and I was probably nine or so at the time where I didn't where I finally skated not with my ankles hanging over.
0: Yeah, you were you bending know? over, yeah.
1: Yeah, so and and I I uh I just continued to play like that uh, up until I was about 12, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned uh, and I would mention this a little bit with the uh, with the Ironman streak. But I have a sister that's five years younger than me that had polio mm-hmm. uh, during that uh, 1953 time before the vaccination. Anyhow, she couldn't do any sports. And and I I was doing sports all the time. And, and, and she was uh, she got involved in swimming and and other things, but so as an army family, we didn't get posted all over the place or, or moved uh, to different army camps. And I was starting to be, you know, I was starting to be okay. I was starting mm-hmm. to be a pretty good player. And when I moved to Canada, or when I moved, my my dad got posted to Calgary because of the doctors for my sister.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, my my hockey career as a as a, a kid actually started in Calgary when, when I was uh, 12 and I went to Calgary and uh, uh, I lived in South Calgary. So they had a community center there and they had a, they had a team uh, there that played other communities just within, within the town. Well, that's when they decided there were so many kids playing that they decided to, to have a special team, like they'd take all the 12-year-olds, all the 11-year-olds, uh, I think it was called Tiny Might at the time, and if you made this one team, they had a big practice with about 500 kids, and if you made this one team, then you were, you were uh, I think I was 11 at the time, you were 11, you would get to play in, in the Bantam League against the bantams which were two or three years older than you mm-hmm. that one team and they call that an a team i think that's how the double AA, a triple a all that started but yep. so so my dad said again we're going to try out for the, you want to try out for this team so i i w- i didn't grow until i was probably 13 yeah 14 somewhere like that so i was c- kind of a small little kid and this tryout was a Saturday morning and there was 500 kids there. <laughs> so we'd skate around and then they'd take all the little kids and they'd take them over in the corner and they'd cut them. They were trying to get down to it, just a team. Yep. So I was one of the little guys. So they'd take me in the corner and get cut and I'd skate it back around because I wanted, I just wanted the ice time. Yep. So I'd skate around. I got cut five times from that team. Yep. So now we were down to, and I was a good enough skater where I was still competing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we were down to the normal, uh, you know, 35 guys, and then they picked their team. And the list came up on the board, and I went and looked at the list, and I wasn't on the team.
2: Oh.
1: So, uh, again, I got cut again. So I, I guess it was kind of a defining moment for me uh, with... How important hockey was, or or how important it was just to skate. Yeah. And and I could have quit the game and said, all my, all my friends are playing on this this big team, and I didn't make it, and all that stuff. And I just said to my dad, well, I guess we're going to go play over at South Calgary again. He said, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So it really didn't affect me at all. And about three months, no, it wasn't three months. It was November, so it was only a couple of couple of months later. Uh, my dad again came back and said, "Listen, you know that team you got cut for? He said they got a bunch of injuries and they got a couple of games this weekend, and you're not playing. Do you, you want to go play for them?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah. Again, it's ice mm-hmm. time. Oh yeah." So I go, I go play for this team on the weekend, and I get two hat tricks. There in you the go. Yeah,
2: there you go.
1: So all of a sudden now, this team that I got cut five times from, I'm I'm on that team. Yeah and i ended up uh I, I, I can't say that i won the scoring championship but i was up in the top 10 scoring and yeah. all the best players in calgary and and the fact that i was born in december
0: yeah so you're yeah
1: put me back another year so i'm playing against guys that are 3 and 4 years older than me yeah so that's when i really started to to, to have to get better you know i didn't I wasn't scoring at will and, and mm-hmm. skating through guys, and all the guys at my own age, they couldn't get the puck off me. Yeah, But I had to really learn to play because I was playing against these older guys. So that's kind of how my hockey career started, and it just continued on from there in Calgary.
0: Oh, well, I mean, that that that's so awesome because, I mean, you know, um, there's a lot of, you know, I think we talked a little bit before the podcast here, and, you know, I, I'm coaching a lot now. You know, I'm giving a lot of lessons, and there's just um, – there's something that's almost, uh, you can't really coach it. It's kind of within that player. You can kind of, um, you can try and bring that out of kids, but it's just that competitive. I'm never going to give up. It doesn't matter who I'm playing against. doesn't matter if the kids are bigger. Just if you kind of have that mindset, and I mean, I'm I'm going to make the assumption that you've kind of been that way probably most of your life, but it's just like, nope, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm just going to continue. Like when, when I see that in a player, it's just, you c- you can do so much with that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. You, 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 and and your your life. What, my dad was really really uh, a great guy. Uh, he was a leader. Uh, he was an army uh, leader. Uh, when I met Gordy Howe in Detroit, when I was uh, traded to Detroit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: my dad was so much like Gordy. Uh, growing up, that I was really fortunate. He was the dad that drove all the kids to the rink that couldn't get rides, yep. and at every practice, and you know all that stuff, and always looking to see if there was more games to play and all that stuff. So I was I was pretty well grounded. Uh, I I was raised in a in a Christian family. We went to we went to church on Sunday. We w- we weren't overboard, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it was just it was it was very grounded, and I. I I didn't. One of the things he said to me is, he says, "You don't want to, you don't want to determine your life on wins and losses." Oh yeah. You want to, you want to do this uh, on on your competitive nature. Yeah. And whatever whatever happens in the game, if you give a hundred percent and you go out there and you get killed, uh, it's no big deal. Yeah. You know, you just go on to the next game. And I think uh, his his guidance was was really uh, instrumental in, in my attitude towards sports.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you say that Gary, because there's times, you know, um, you know, my dad, uh, he's played hockey for a very long time. He was kind of always my coach growing up, uh, you know, but not only my coach, but, you know, my father, which sometimes that made, you know, things a little difficult, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. But it's funny that, <clears throat> your 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 dad, it's like he tries to impart wisdom on you, impart wisdom on you. And then sometimes like you don't realize it, but like that wisdom stays with you, you know, and especially now since, like I said, I've been, you know, coaching and everything. There are times where I, it, it's it's almost like when I'm kind of looking for that answer, you kind of hear the voice of your dad being like, oh, you've told me the answer before. It might've been when I was, 12 years old or whatever, but it's like, oh, you you prepared me for this. I just didn't realize what you were doing, or maybe I was too young, but it, it still made an impact on me. You know, there's just, it's funny, it's almost as I get older and and kind of on the other side of that coin, you know, not, not. I mean, I'm, I still play quite a bit, but I'm coaching, you know, certainly a lot more, but it's just one of those yeah. things to where all of these messages and all of these these things, and and now I try and do that with a lot of the young kids, and you know, I think sometimes they pick it up, sometimes they don't, but it's just, it's so important to kind of have somebody to kind of, to kind of guide you and, and, and to kind of, you know, show you kind of what's what and what's real, you know, because, you know, my dad, he's always been kind of old school, and, and he, he really taught me the game not just on the ice but kind of off the ice and, and the way that it's supposed to be played and also kind of the respect for the game, you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely, yeah, you're, you're, you're right on. The, when kids ask me, you know, what does it take to, to be a pro player? What is it, what's, what's one of the main ingredients? And obviously you've got to be able to scoot, shape, you know, skate and shoot and pass and do all those things, but it's, it's your mental attitude toward the sport. Yep. It's, it's fighting through losses and fighting through injuries and fighting through all different things. I, I remember, as, again, as a 12-year-old, uh, I, I broke my nose at school in, in gym class, uh, and we had a game that night. And I, I came home and I went to the hospital and, you know, they can't do much with a broken nose, but yep. they just you know, straightened it out and away I go. Yep. And my dad said, well, we've got a game tonight. You've got a game tonight. I guess you're not playing, eh? And I said, Did I, do I skate with my nose? <laughs> and he said, no, I guess not. I, you know, he said, you need to play.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, Hey, but but that's, but that's totally awesome. And it's one of those things to where, and I was actually, it was funny. I was kind of, I got up this morning and I'm kind of thinking about like, all right, Gary's coming on the podcast. Like I just, you know, I want, I like to be prepared for all the podcasts, but for this one kind of, uh, you know, in, in particular, I I just kind of wanted to be on point, but you know, as far as just kind of having that, um, you know, kind of, um, what am I trying to say? Um, as far as kind of having that that input, um, you know, from your dad, um, as as far as like kind of just being like kind of tough, and I can I can kind of remember playing against because you kind of played with my dad and John Wyreks and yeah. some of those guys, or whatever. But when we would go out there. You know, playing against you guys, you would make us tougher by being kind of not harder on us, but you you were kind of getting us used to you know getting banged around a little bit or getting a little bit of slash or getting a, a whatever. It's like it's almost kind of like you're you're training us or you're teaching us in a way to be tough and to to get past you know some of those some of those things that that we can get past once we get out of our own way. Does that kind of make, make yeah, sense to you?
1: Exactly.
0: It, it, it should, and, and
1: learning learning what you're going to run into. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're playing out there with your dad and he's, he's pushing you a little bit, yep. you, you know that that's going to happen when you, when you finally do get involved in organized sports and, yep. and, and it gets to the point where, where you, know, you're, you have to mentally be stronger than somebody else. It's like yeah. uh, another thing that he, he taught me is he said, if you ever get hurt and it's not a broken leg and they don't have to carry off on a stretcher,
2: mm-hmm. he
1: says, don't lay on the ice. Yep. Because the guy that hits you is going to have an, a mental advantage over you. At least get to the bench. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No. And, absolutely. And fall on the behind closed where doors where nobody can nobody.
0: see it. Yeah. No.
1: Ah, I, yeah. In fact, <laughs> uh, uh, no. I, I carried that all the way through, and 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 that was old time hockey back then. I mean, oh, you,
0: yeah. you didn't
1: let anybody know that he he got to you.
0: Yeah. Well. Like, yeah. So. And it's and, and it's one of those things too, to where. Um, you know, when something happens like that, I really don't like when a player, you know, say a player has the puck and maybe he gets a little hooked or he gets a little high stick or slash or whatever. But when they, even if they give up for half a second to be like, "ow," or like it looks up towards the ref for a call or whatever, the play is changed now. You know what I mean? It's almost one of those to where you just have to take your hacks and whacks, but then continue to make the play that you were trying to make in the first place. You know what I mean? So it's almost like kind of building up, kind of a almost like a callus towards those things because that person's gonna going to continue to hack and whack you or or do whatever they need to do it's not going to you know what i mean uh, at the end of the day you still need to play you need to make that I know play exactly
1: what you're talking you, about you, the, you the, need
0: to, game, you need to make that play. In yes and and
1: those those moments uh when you stay strong and 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 fight through that stuff good things happen I yeah. scored many a goal with blood dripping down my face because <laughs> I got whacked in the front of the net with a puck and yeah. and or with a stick or whatever and and you stay in the in the game and all of a sudden the puck's on your stick and you got a goal. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. other than laying, you know flopping on the ice and saying, oh, I, I'm I'm hurt.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just something about playing through it. You know what I mean? Playing through it, just having... Because it's almost like if you have a goal in mind or, you know, let's say you're entering the zone or let's say you're in the zone and, and, and you have... there There's a certain play that you're trying to make. You try and make that play. Whatever's going on around you as far as, you know, a, a physical... Um, you know, a defenseman or anything like that, that, that comes second. Obviously you're trying to work around that person, but you make that play. You don't look up at the refs. You don't say, ow, you don't let go of the puck. You don't, you know, you, you, you commit to kind of that play and you have to make that play. If somebody slashes you, you still make that play. You know what I mean? You still just kind of continue through that. Um, But yeah, like I said, um, you know, my, my I kind of joke around with my dad and a bunch of, you know, his buddies, people know my dad because they, they're like, yeah, he was a little heavy. And it's like, yeah, but that's the way that the game like used to be played. You know, there there is kind of a, a change now in the game. You know, there's kind of a standard of play to where now you can't kind of do some of these things that not to throw you under the bus, Gary. But I remember being a young kid and you telling us kind of, all right, if you can kind of get your stick here. But it was all kind of legal back then. You know what I mean? And now it's kind of um, yeah. like what, what are your feelings on kind of the the change of you know, the game, because it is a little bit different now.
1: Well, it's a lot different. Uh, you know, it, it's it's frustrating sometimes uh, Agreed. As a, to, to, to watch the game. Like, and I know, you know, a, a really good player has a puck in the corner. Let's say Sidney Crosby has a puck in the corner. Yep. You, as a defenseman, <laughs> have got to stop that guy from coming out of the corner. And there's certain situations where you have to use your stick. Yep. I mean, these guys are so good nowadays, and we learn to use our sticks uh, not only to protect ourselves, but to to stop another player. Or when you're, uh, if I'm chasing you on a breakaway and it's and and, and I'm, I can't quite catch you. Uh, I wait for that perfect moment where you go to shoot the puck and I hook whack the you top in the bl- hand.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, t- you taught me uh, sorry sorry to interrupt but you taught me a great and i'll always remember this just when they're about to shoot sometimes you just hook that top glove you don't necessarily hold it you just give it a little hook right you just time it right you know that little hook you taught me that and i i well, i can't use it anymore because now you can't do it but that was my go-to move i'd wait for them to shoot hook that top glove but that was all you and i appreciate it
1: <laughs> yeah well those are the so so to watch the game it's a great game and the guys are unbelievable skaters and you know, there's there's a lot going on in the game, but uh, a lot of the game is played in the corners mm-hmm. and, and along the boards. If you don't know how to pick the puck up along the boards or fight your way out of a corner, yep. uh, you know, the, the dump and chase used to be the last thing that you would think about mm-hmm. when, when you were playing because you wanted to keep the puck. Yep. So, so it's a little bit different that way, and the guys are, are really skilled. Uh, it's still a great game, yeah. but it is frustrating sometimes when, when you watch a, a, really, a guy makes a really nice play, a defensive play I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more defensive now than offense, yep. uh, to stop a guy from scoring a goal and, and he gets a penalty. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying that wasn't a penalty <laughs> yeah no it,
0: it's funny even in uh i don't know if you've been watching any of the uh the the playoffs or whatnot but there are some penalties that are you know kind of getting called this year and i don't know if they're just trying but i i just i hope that it's not a trend that can kind of continues like i don't want it to get any further in the in the way that it's going right now you know what i mean like i don't want it to be any further you know kind of uh police because i know they want to open up the game and i know they want to make it high scoring and entertaining and stuff like this but there's just certain plays where you see where like you said the guy has to use his sticker he has to do something and I look at it I'm like that's a good defensive play and all of a sudden half a second later you hear a whistle and you're like no no way you know what right. I mean? no that's the way I watch like the, was how good. like how and you know and it's just one of those things to where and if you kind of look at you know even some of the defensemen like yeah you might have a few you know kind of big defensemen now but now I feel like the defensemen are almost just like you know uh fourth and fifth forwards or so you know it's like they're playing a different position but it's like how can you play defense when you can't really touch a guy that can skate you know however fast mckinnon or you know mcdavid are skating down like you can't yeah exactly you can't you 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 can't put it yeah you you, you can't put a stick on that guy so you literally have to try and you know skate backwards and try and angle like these guys are too good to do that you know um, yeah. so I really yeah. hope that they may be trying, and I love the game. I like watching. Um, but it's funny, like in all the podcasts, it's one thing that gets brought, you know, brought up quite a bit is it just, everybody's just too soft these days and the kid, you know what I mean? But it's just a different game and the kids are being kind of coached differently. And maybe that's a good thing because, you know, uh, well, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but it, it's just, it's just different. And maybe I'm just kind of set in my ways of how things could be, but if you knew, and you kind of talked about this, but if you knew how to use your stick in the right ways, y- you you could and you were great at this, and this is kind of what you you taught us, but just how to use that stick in a defensive way. And it's like to think that I have a lot of knowledge that was passed down from you that I can't teach to anybody anymore because it's penalty. You know what I mean? It's like did the game did the game really yeah. change that much? You know what I mean? Like, huh. Yeah. But uh anyway, so I, I I love talking hockey with you, Gary. But I kind of want to start getting into uh, you know some some of uh, your your professional kind of accolades here. So, uh, w- w- your first NHL team was that the Toronto Maple Leafs?
1: Yes, it was Toronto. I uh, but there was no draft when I first uh, came into the league. Like like there was only six teams. So, somewhere along the line, the NHL sat down with uh, Toronto, Montreal, New York, Boston, uh, the, the six teams uh, at, at the NHL level. Yeah. And they divided up Canada, the Red Wings in Chicago. So, if you lived in certain places, that's why all the Montreal Canadiens were, were French. Yeah. Because Montreal owned Quebec. So, if you played hockey in Quebec you were property of the Montreal Canadiens. This is what forced the draft to, to uh, initially start because uh, it, it, there was a lot of really good players in, in Quebec and Montreal were getting all the really good players and they were winning the Stanley Cup and yeah, you know, all never, that stuff. Never, yeah. So anyhow, because I lived in Calgary, and I didn't even know this at the time, but I was playing junior hockey for the Calgary Buffaloes, which was the, the junior A team in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I was young, I was like 15 years old, Uh, I played Junior A, and uh, a scout came up to my dad again uh, and said, uh, would Gary be interested in trying out for the Toronto Marlboros? Toronto Marlboros at that time, Montreal uh for uh Quebec and and Ontario was huge in hockey and that's where all the you know Bobby Orr was playing in the in the OHA was called the OHA then the Ontario Junior Hockey League and uh, uh the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and that's where all the players were coming from
2: mm-hmm
1: were going, the the rookies that were coming out, not too many people knew what was going on out west. I lived in, in Alberta and all we saw was Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night uh, one game a week and I would watch the first period and then I'd go downstairs in the basement and shoot pucks against the wall,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. I uh, So and, and then I would see they would do in between period stuff, and it would be all about guys in Ontario and all about guys. One game, one week was Montreal. One week was Toronto. Yep. And they would do all about these guys that are making the NHL from these leagues. Anyhow, to to have an opportunity to be one of the better players around the Alberta area that nobody knew about, and get an opportunity to see if I was any good compared mm-hmm. to some of these guys that I'm I'm watching. Yep. So. So I decided that I would uh, go out to to uh, Toronto, to their, their training camp uh, for the Toronto Marlboros. And that was one of the top teams in Canada. All the, the Leafs, if you go through the Leaf uh, back in the 60s, you, if you go through the Leaf lineup, almost every one of those guys went to, uh, uh, played for the Toronto Marlboros. So it mm-hmm. was a, Really big team in Canada. The other team, uh, the other thing that happened when I was 13, and I guess uh, I forgot about this, so I must have been a pretty good player because uh, Frank Mahovlich came out of uh, St. Michael's University mm-hmm. in in Toronto as well. And there was a lot of guys, they call it St. Mike's, and a lot of guys played their hockey through there, and then they went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So when I was 13, I... Uh, again a Toronto guy came to me and said does Gary want to go and play uh, go to school it was a private school and go to St. Mike's and my dad said no he's way too young to leave home he said well we're not sending him away from home when he was 13 and I never even questioned I never even even questioned that so anyhow uh, when I got to Toronto I was was probably 16 I guess at the time Mm -hmm. I was a leading scorer in the Junior A League in Alberta and and I went with a couple of other guys from Saskatchewan, and we went to the practice, and it was all Leaf people. You know, the yeah. Jim Gregory, who was a longtime Leaf uh, manager, and uh, he was kind of running the team. And and uh, there was a hundred guys at camp, and I'm thinking, holy man, they stuck us in a in a hotel, and we'd go out and practice, and. I, I went to the first couple of practices, and I'm thinking, gee, I can skate with these guys. Yep. And then they started having scrimmages, and I'd pick up a goal here and there, and I'm thinking, yeah, I can play with these guys. Right. And about four days down the road, uh, Jim Gregory would call me into the office and, and the coach, and they'd all be sitting there, and they'd say, uh, do you want to go to London? And I said, what's in London? They said, well, we've got another team uh, in the same league, in the OHA. They had so many players in the Toronto organization that they started the London – it was called the London Nationals at the time, but it's the London Knights that go to London, Ontario,
2: yep.
1: Yeah, and I said, no, I don't want to go to London. I said, I don't want to get cut from this team. I I came to make the Toronto Marlboros, and I want to play here. Mm -hmm. So that was fine. So I'd go back and skate, and the next day they called me in. And then I started picking up a few more goals in practice, and I'm thinking – I'm better. I'm I'm looking at these guys center, but I I realized that that all the guys that were with the Toronto Marlboros were already signed. Mm -hmm. They were just looking to try and maybe put a team together in London. Anyhow, uh, finally the 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 third time that this happened, there was another guy sitting in the in the room. He was a little fat, chubby guy, and and they said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to London or you want to go home? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple different options there. Uh, so, so I said, well, I guess I'm going to London. Yeah, I ain't and going this, home. <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> this little guy over in the corner started talking to me, and it was, it was. Uh, uh, it was a Hall of Fame goaltender that was going to coach in London. Turk Broda. Yeah. You, you can look that name up somewhere along the line. He played for the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs and all that stuff. And yeah, Turk yeah, was yeah. the coach of London. And he was the guy that was pushing to try and get me there. Because, and then I found out, I didn't realize this, but each team was only allowed one guy from the West.
0: Oh, so you were the guy?
1: So I was the guy oh, you're the for, Western. for London.
0: Yeah. Yep. yeah.
1: Hey, that's how- So I guess I actually got cut from the Toronto Marlboros. <laughs> uh and, and went to London. Yeah. And it turned out really good for me in London because all the guys in London were were not from London. They were misplaced, you know, they were guys mm-hmm. that, yep. that London brought in. Yep. And all the guys in Toronto had already played in Toronto and they'd played kids hockey together and mm-hmm. they'd moved all the way up. And I would have been a kind of an outsider. Right. In fact I was the first guy to wear jeans and cowboy boots and a cowboy hat because I was from Calgary and mm-hmm. I was a cowboy. Yeah uh, in Ontario.
0: So, so I do have to bring up this story. I, I got this, I got this, uh, story from, we'll just call it a mutual friend. I'm not going to throw him under the bus until afterwards. and I'll tell you who told me. Um, but do you know anything about a contact lens story? Is there a contact lens story that is a good story?
1: Well, yeah, it was, it was way back. It was way back. Uh, I basically sat on the bench for the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. uh, when, I, when I finally got through all the stuff. And, and you know, I, I played in the minor league. I, actually, I played my first, my first uh, pro game in Tulsa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tulsa Oilers were, were a Toronto Maple Leaf farm club. Mm-hmm. And the Rochester Americans were the American League farm club. And then you had the Toronto Maple Leafs because there was only six teams. Yep. Each team had uh, a Central Hockey League team, uh, where the younger guys went, and then the older guys, the older pros that were cl- closer to getting into the NHL were played in the American League. Actually, Don cherry was the the captain of the team in Rochester, the Rochester Americans.
0: <laughs> That's too funny
1: so so when when I was in the organization back then, Basically, if they called you up for a game or whatever, you just kind of sat on the bench. You didn't, you didn't yeah, do yeah. too much. They had all these players, and 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 they were kind of looking at you to see what kind of a, a mentality you had about the game. And 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 players want to play. Yeah, you know, you just you, you the, sitting on the bench isn't fun. I didn't no. want a season ticket for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: No, 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 no. I knew
1: I was gonna be good enough to play. And after I played in Tulsa for a little bit, and I played in Rochester for a little bit, and my. My <laughs> my first year pro is a whole other story because uh, f- through the Ironman streak, when I never missed a game, that that first year of pro, I was hurt like 15 times. Yeah, I was
0: going to ask you so, about that. Yeah.
1: So anyhow, uh, I ended up in Toronto, and and uh, every time uh, I I would sit on the bench with these guys, and I'd go to the coach, and I'd say, Punch Emlak was the coach, and I'd I'd say, listen, you know, I know I'm going to sometime play in the nhl but i'm not ready to play yet obviously mm-hmm. and you're not playing me so i'd i'd rather go down and play in tulsa
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'd rather go play in tulsa and, and get some ice time and do all that stuff so so anyhow uh yeah okay we'll send you down next week or whatever and every time they went to send me down somebody else would get hurt yep so they'd stick the uniform on me and i'd sit on the bench again so after that a bu- bunch of times uh we had games and guys were getting hurt, and rather than rather than play play me and, and uh, uh, other young guys that were in the organization, they'd call somebody up from Rochester,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you'd still sit on the bench. <laughs> so it wasn't the fact that, that that there was a spot open for somebody to to to, to get you in there, unless you had unless that happened. Specifically during the game. Yep. So, so uh, I played center, and there a bunch of centermen were getting hurt, and and the media came to me, and they said, "Oh, you're you're gonna uh, probably get in the game now." You know, all these centermen are getting hurt. So we had a game against Chicago on on uh, Hockey Night in Canada. On Saturday, and and uh, the media was saying, "Well, there's looks like there's a spot for you." Well, the coach wasn't telling me that; the the media was telling me that. Right. So I got all, all excited when I came to the game on on the Saturday night. uh... There was three new bags in the dressing room. They'd brought three other guys up from from Rochester.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and
1: yeah. I'm still sitting on the bench. Yeah. So the last thing you want to do is sit on the bench and hope somebody's going to get hurt. But it was one of those games where. Where guys started to go down,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, uh, one guy got so I slide down, and there's two guys left, and another guy gets hurt, and uh, I slide down, and now there's only one guy left. And after, with about probably halfway through the the first period, maybe three quarters of the way through the first period, uh, one of the guys lost their contact lens, so. They stopped for commercial and did all the all the stuff, and and uh, we went out in the ice, and and I found this contact lens <laughs> on the L- ice. Lucky you! And I kept it. I didn't give it to again. <laughs> <laughs> but so he couldn't play. So and, and that's how I got in the lineup. Hey. and I I scored a goal and got an assist. And no, I, was,
0: I didn't know that. I, was, p- I didn't know that part of the story.
1: I was second star and now I'm excited about playing. <laughs> yeah. The the next night I, I'm I'm you know, it's a long, long time ago so so things are a little bit fuzzy, but the next night was the night that we went into I, I stayed with the team. We we traveled to Boston and Boston Gardens was a small, small little rink and they were big. They had the big black uniform, black and orange uniforms and they looked like giants. Mhm. Uh, Pat Quinn was playing on our team, and I it, again, I'm trying to figure out if, if this was the exact time, but what happened was Pat Quinn, I'm sitting on the bench, I'm playing, playing fairly regular now in this in the, this second game, and uh, Pat Quinn hit Bobby Orr uh, over by their bench, hit him hard. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time Bobby Orr hit the ice, he hit him with a hip check. Both benches had cleared. Yep. So now I'm sitting on the I and I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm thinking I'm not going out there. I'm going to get killed.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I mean, I, I would think probably the same in your in your shoes for sure, for
1: sure. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting on the bench, and the trainer's trying to throw me
0: over. I'm. I'm <laughs> He's trying to underneath. throw you into it. You don't have a choice, Gary. You're going. You're going. <laughs>
1: So you got now now you got forty guys on the ice- the referees just stepped back
0: you got what two or three refs at that point where uh,
1: and i and i I'm thinking holy man I'm, <laughs> I'm never getting out of this place alive <laughs> well as it turned out the year before the year before in junior, we ended up playing the Niagara Falls Flyers in the playoffs mm-hmm. They were a Boston farm club, and Derek Sanderson was their top top oh. top draft choice and leading guy yeah. he was the next. Guy. Came in to, to to play for Boston, and him and I got into a fight in in uh, in the training or in in the playoffs, and I hammered him, like, you know, you know when you got a mental edge on a guy, but I I hammered this guy. Oh man! So now I see Derek standing over in kind of in this thing, and I knew he didn't want to fight me, yeah, because he knew how tough I was, yeah, and so i went and grabbed Derek, and Derek and i stayed stood there and talked for a while while the other guys beat the shit out of each other
0: <laughs> hey so I, I i don't think a lot of people know this though or i mean people that really know the game do but sometimes when you see you know kind of those big scrums or fights or whatever sometimes those guys that are clutching they're having just maybe a normal conversation hey how's your day going what's going on what's happening you know they're they're just there well, you
1: may have played with them somewhere yeah, the yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: it, yeah. it's a time to catch up maybe a little bit you know just kind of hey uh have a how's the wife how are kids what's uh what's yeah, what what's, exactly. what's, what's,
1: what's, what's, I, I wasn't uh you know I, I didn't go out and look for fights but it, uh, for some reason uh like I took boxing mm-hmm. when I was a kid through mm-hmm. the army and different things like that Yep. and as it turned out uh, there wasn't I didn't lose too many fights so I was pretty tough
0: yeah no so I, uh, I, I
1: didn't realize it at the time
0: yeah <laughs> so, no uh, yeah it got
1: me through that,
0: anyhow. I, yeah, no, I've I've always, uh, you know, known you, known you to be a tough guy, a tough guy myself. Um, so, kind of moving on from here because you know, you you, you obviously spent time. Toronto, Detroit, you know, a couple of other areas, but the majority of your, your career was spent in St. Louis, and so I kind of wanted to to get into that, because when you moved over to St. Louis, you got traded for Red Berenson? Is that who you got traded Red for? Red Berenson, yeah. Yeah, so, and he was one of the, you know, uh, kind of fan favorites there in St. Louis, so did you feel like you had to kind of show up and, and just kind of... Fill fill some shoes there. I mean, I'm sure you felt confident, but did did you feel like you kind of needed to 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 make up for that?
1: Well, I, I I look back on my career, and there's certain times that you you look at things, and and again, it comes back from your upbringing and your parents and the confidence that you have as a person. Forget about being a hockey player.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I remember to and and don't let me lose that thought about the Red Berenson thing. But yeah, yeah. I remember. Getting traded from Toronto to Detroit, and I'm standing. I, I'm going. I go to the to the uh, to the dressing room in Madison Square Gardens in New York,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm 18, 19 years old. Gordy Howe has been my idol my whole life, and I look up on the board, and I'm playing center between Frank Mahovlich and Gordy Howe. Yeah, that's my line. Yeah and we're starting the game. And I remember standing at center ice or on the blue line at, uh, where they did the national anthem with, with uh, Gordy on one side, Frank on the other side. I think Bobby Bond was on defense and all these these huge names from the, from the National Hockey League that I watched on television. Yep. And I looked down, and my stick had my name on it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a left uh, hook. It was Unger was on my stick. I looked down, yep. and I looked my left and my right, and I said, What's different here? Oh no! Am I, uh, you know, there's twenty thousand people in the building. <laughs> I said they got a net down there and a net down there, and I got a puck just like we did when there's twenty five players on the ice. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't even nervous. Yeah. Which was which was weird when I think back of that, and the same thing when I got traded to Detroit or when I got traded to St. Louis because Red Berenson was a captain. He was mm-hmm. the leader of the team and. These guys, had, the Plater brothers, and all these guys had grown up together playing hockey, and Red was their Red was their leader. Yeah. And I remember thinking, "Yeah, I gotta, I, I, I gotta prove that that they made a good trade." Yeah. But I'm not. This is if I start worrying about it and got, I'll get all upset. All you got to do is go out there and play hockey, and that's what you know how to do. Yeah. So I was able to, again, a, another mental part of the game where where things like that never bothered me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you just just went and played. And and it was tough because I mean I had fights in practice with some of these guys and, until they accepted me as a player. Yeah. Uh you know that that was that happened back then you you never talked to somebody on the other team like in warm up you know you see these guys stretching and yep. they're on one side of the blue one side of the red line and one's on the other side of the red line and they're talking as they're stretching or maybe warming up. And in, in the old original six, that never happened for right. the first, first years of, of uh, expansion when I was in St. Louis. So you never even talked to anybody on the other team. Right. So I was the enemy. I, I had already fought Noel Picard and Bobby Plager and when I played for Detroit uh, when we played against St. Louis. So, so it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to do those things, but it never, ever bothered me. Because right. I had enough confidence in my game to know that, that I was coming there to, to make St. Louis a better team and no. and things just kind of fell into place and I got lots of ice time and I was able to produce. Sometimes yeah. you only get a few opportunities to, uh, to to show that you can produce. That's yeah. the biggest thing for a young guy. Uh, is just give me a chance to play. Yeah, yeah. Most guys just sit there, and then and, and a lot of times they never get a chance. And if they do get a chance, and they're and they're not strong mentally, mm-hmm. uh, they get that one chance, and and maybe they they don't do anything, and and they get sent down.
0: Yeah, and so it,
1: I was able to overcome that stuff with with mental strength.
0: No, and that's awesome. And it's one of those things to where you know cuz i can kind of pick up on this not necessarily from a professional level cuz i've never played in the nhl or anything but when you're confident in your abilities and what you know you're you're okay with being put in those situations but then there's the time to where like okay now i need to make sure that i'm prepared to do what i know that i can do you know what I mean? Right. If you know that you can do it, you feel comfortable because you know you can do it. But then you still have to go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so there, there, produce. there. Yeah. So there, there is a thing where that that confidence works. But then it's kind of that. All right. It's kind of that self inventory, like you know how am I going to make this happen? I've done it before. I know how to do it, but it's a different situation. There's kind of some, some different things here. Yeah. You know, I liken it to, you know, obviously I don't have your coaching resume, but even going in uh, coaching in a new community. Cause uh, you know, I, I moved from, I was in Tulsa for a while, moved down to Florida, got involved in hockey down there, then kind of went up to Vermont, gotten into coaching up there. Um, and it's one of those things I've, I've entered kind of a new system or a new, you know, kind of community. And it's one of those things to where I know I'm going to be able to coach your kids, well, but it's one of those things I still have to be prepared to do that, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because they're they're, they're still a task. So it's one of those things to where you're confident, but you still have to put in the work to make sure that you are prepared to do what you know that you can do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, your dad dad taught you well,
0: Adam. Oh, yeah, he... Well, to, to, (laughs) to be honest with you, he... You know, and I talk about this on the podcast sometimes, but he, um, you know, as far as respect, as far as hockey players and stuff like that, he respects some guys. He thinks other guys are jokers or clowns or whatever, but he holds you in just such high regard. And has since I was a young, young boy, that it was just one of those things to where... I paid attention. I noticed when you're around. I listened if you had anything to teach us. I listened. It was just one of those where like it's kind of like the the exponential the law of whatever being exponential. It's like my dad was my hero. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to speak for my dad, but I feel like you were kind of one of my dad's idols or heroes or whatever. So if you have an idol or hero and then they have an idol or hero, it's like, oh, that person is, you know, so when that yeah. per, when that person's that... around, it's like, oh, OK, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm trying to, you know, it, it's, just, it's just one of those things to where I just I feel like that's how it works.
1: Yeah, Well, your dad and I were really close. I used to spend we used to spend a lot of time talking in the dressing room. Uh, you know he ran the rink, so he mm-hmm. was there all the time, and I would stay and talk with him and but what what I would do and and sometimes I see this with kids, what I would do is John was a really good player and mm-hmm. a really good skater, and he was hard to play against, yep, so I would make sure that I was on the opposite team. Like I don't want to be the player that, okay, I'm going to line myself up. I'm going to look around the dressing room and see who's all on the best team. All yep. the white guys are all really good players. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a white Jersey on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm going to, if, if I, if I do that in the dressing room, I, I look at all the really good players and they got a white on, I'll put a black on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I want, I want to be able to push them. I mean, I pushed your dad a lot. Oh yeah. I used to, Whack and hack them, and you know all these guys that we played in men's league was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and no. I went, there, you know, for for me. uh But I didn't let up on these guys. I I I'm sure I whacked you a few. Times oh no, my...
0: yeah, you. It's 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 one of those because you know when when you know when I was kind of playing, and it was just kind of I mean not to be whatever. I think you already kind of know this, but when you were on the ice, if there was ever a time that we were playing against you or whatever, like we held you in such high. Esteem, And we were just like, we just felt kind of lucky to be out there. But we also just kind of tried to, we kind of tried to push it a little bit and just be like, all right, like he's out here. Like, I really want to, you know, I, I really want to kind of try and do these things. But I know for a fact, if I was ever to get, you know, because when you're young, you can kind of grind it out and skate fast and all this other stuff, which you lose when you get a little bit older. But it's one of those things to where like, I knew that even if I thought I might be able to get around you, there there was going to be some smart play that you were going to be able to make either with your stick or your body or your position. Or whatever it was, and it really kind of humbled me in a way to where it's like, Oh, it's mostly about IQ, you know what I mean? It's mostly yeah. about knowing where to be and how to do things, and to how to because you know, I, I don't think you'll take this at any offense, but when this was happening, like you know, you were a little bit older than you know, I was 18, or slowing whatever down. it was, so you're slowing down a little bit, but you were just still so strong, you know what I mean? You're still such a you know, a good, a good player, and you can move the, like, you could still do all the things, you know what I mean? And that's when I realized, like, look, if I want to, because I've, I've always kind of said this, like, I want to play this game as long as I can, like, I love it, like, I just want to play as long as I can. But if I want to play as long as I can, like, I want to, I need to be smart, like, I want to be a smart player, you know what I mean? I'm not, at a certain point, I might lose a little bit of speed, or I might lose some strength, or this or that. But if I know where to be, and if my hockey IQ is sound, then you know then I can continue to play this game the not at the level that you were you know when you when I was playing against you but I I hope so like I hope that I could you know kind of continue to play at a high level you know at, at an older age but it's just one of those things to where it was just it it really kinda I mean, I, I I've always considered myself kinda humble, but it was just one of those things to where like, oh, that's how you do it. You just get really, really smart. You know what I mean? If you're yeah. just if you're really, really smart, you don't necessarily need a, a, you know, a crazy hard shot or this or that. Like you just know how to play the game.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh so it it is one of those things and I would feel like um So and I am going to go ahead and and tell this little story. And I know that you might not remember this, but uh, I had kind of taken a break from hockey because and I think at this point you kind of because you always kind of go back to Tulsa for, you know, just at least when I was there, you'd you'd be back for a little bit, just kind of visiting and then you kind of leave. But you'd always kind of come back to visit. Am I right?
1: Oh, well, for sure. I, I just came back from Tulsa. I just spent three weeks there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But but I was uh, t- sorry. But t- t- to finish my story though, there was a and I don't know if they have these anymore, but it was a Tulsa Oilers alumni game, and they used to have right. them. They used to have them annually. Um, and some yeah, of, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right. We it, did that at your rink.
0: Yeah, and 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 so, so some of these guys aren't regularly skating, so they kind of did like a little warm up kind of scrimmage game, you know. And this was yeah. maybe a day or two before. Um, but I can remember going out there, and you were out. there and so like I'd kind of come back I'd taken I'd gone to college and I'd taken kind of a few years off but I mean I still kind of consider myself to be a decent player but we hadn't seen each other in a while um you weren't living in you weren't living in Tulsa I wasn't living in Tulsa but we were both back in Tulsa so I was kind of probably in my early 20s this is probably 10 years ago but anyway, so we're out there, and we just kind of split up teams. And so it was mostly, like, the Oilers alumni guys that wanted to do that practice, and then they just kind of had to fill it in with, like, decent hockey players. So I think they just kind of reached out to me, and they're like, hey, like, do you want to come out for this? I'm like, absolutely. I absolutely want to come out for this. But anyway, I go yeah. out there, and I, I play. I play fairly well. Like, it's one of those things to where I really just felt like I needed to kind of Pro- not prove something because a lot of the Oilers guys I'm sure weren't skating hard or whatever, but those were my heroes growing up or those were my whatever. So if given that opportunity, like that's what kind of what I want to do. So I, I played pretty well and I was working in the pro shop at the at the point. I was working for Carrie. You know Carrie Eskridge. Yeah, um, for sure. So so anyway, so you don't recognize me, but you walk into the you walk into the pro shop and you say hi to Carrie and I'm kind of sitting, I think a little bit further down the table, and you look at me and you go, hey, you go, good hockey player. And uh, Kerry Eskridge, he goes, hey, do you know who that is? He goes, no. He goes, oh, that's John Larson's son. You go, Adam? And I'm like, oh, my God. I got a compliment from Gary Younger, and he didn't even know. You know what I mean? It was the most genuine, honest compliment I've ever got because you didn't know who I was when you said it. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things to where, I mean, because I had always just been, you know, just a a huge fan of yours, huge fan of all those Oilers. But um, it was just one of those things where, like, that may be the best compliment I've ever had, maybe in hockey, ever. I think that's, yeah, I don't think there's anything that comes close to that. But anyway, I had to tell that story just because it's one of those things that you probably positively influence so many more people than maybe you even know, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you, you are what you are, and you need to have time for people.
0: Oh, you know, and you always make what, it. What I
1: realized, you know, I got to live the dream. And a lot of every guy that goes to the rink is is dreaming of being in that position. Yeah. And it only takes a few seconds to be nice to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a an idea of of a uh, somebody that you know or, or a special person, and they have a a, a personality about them uh as far as the media is concerned yeah. that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you meet a guy and, and and you ask him for his autograph and he tells you to get lost. Yeah. Kind yeah. of well, it, it only takes a second to, to to build somebody else up. And when I was put in, in that situation it it's it's so much fun. It's it's such a rewarding thing for me even to be able to do that for people mm-hmm. uh that uh Again, it came from my parents and, the, you know, the Zamboni guys, just as important as the, as the guy that's the best player on the other team or the best player on your team. Yeah. And everybody was important. And yeah. uh, you don't realize when you're in the game, you don't realize how important uh, those kind of players are, even like for me with Gordie Howe and different uh yeah. players like that, how, how important they are to you mm. uh and how much influence you have without even knowing it. Yeah. You don't even think
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> so it
1: better be part of your personality and not something put on or oh, otherwise yeah. you get you get
0: caught. Oh, you get you get found out right away. Um, and there's a couple different ways I can go with this. I kind of I kind of want to just I'm not trying to pump my own tires here, but Mansfield's a new area, you know, to hockey. It's it's the southernmost Darsner, the one that I'm working at right now. And uh, you know, I feel like there's some people that they look up to me and they you know know that I have hockey knowledge and then I'm a you know decent hockey player and this and that. And it's one of those things to where like like how let's like how can you benefit the most people. And it's like, oh, doing what I'm doing right now. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna yeah. do. It, I'm not gonna do it by teaching math or science. You know what I mean? I'll tell you that right now. But at yeah. the end, at the end of the day, like I can positively influence because that's 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 the power that I have. If if somebody's going to allow me to influence them, I need to make sure that it's in a positive way because they've allowed me to do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's almost like they they've opened themselves up to okay, like. I think that you're good at hockey, or I want your knowledge, or whatever. There's two ways that that interaction can go. It can go, ah, yeah, whatever, yeah. Or it can be like, oh, you're into hockey. Hockey's awesome. It'll make your life better. Let me tell you all about it. Let's get started. You know what I mean? And then as soon as yeah. the, as soon as they kind of buy into that, it's like, look, like. I positively influenced, and then not only that, but you get the kid into it, and now the dad's into it, and now the, and it's like, you know, and my number is nowhere even close to yours, but at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I'm positively affecting people here, you know what I mean? Like, and that it's because it's they... It's a
1: really good feeling.
0: Oh, it's, it's so a really good, good feeling. But not everybody does that, and I mean, obviously, you've been, <laughs> I thought about this last night, like, you've been positively affecting the Tulsa youth hockey community for, what, 30, almost 30 years? Wow. I mean, think about it. So, I mean, you were what, 90, you started coaching, was it 92, 93, something like that. And so we're at, two, yeah. you know, right. we're at 2020, you know, and, and so you still go back and you kind of, you know, check in, you work with people. I mean, think about that. I mean, that is, you know, it, like, you know, th- there could be kids that you're influencing now that you influenced their parents or you influenced, you know, it's just, it, it's crazy to think about the, 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 the positivity that you create. It just, it kind of, it trickles down. You know what I mean? There's some things that don't trickle down, but that does trickle down, you know what I mean? And how you yeah. bring somebody into the game and about teaching them the, the respect of the game and, you know, not not trying to do a, a you know, full circle here, but it's just people that respect the game are just the best people. You know what I mean? It's just and, and you've always been like that and I've just there's there's multiple reasons why I respect you, but that's just been one of them is cuz it's just you get it and you know it and you you lead by example and if you've been doing anything for that long and you're doing it in a fake way, you get found out. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I appreciate that, Adam.
0: Yeah, well, I I think there's a whole bunch of people that would... Uh... That would probably uh, probably agree with me here. So I, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone here. Hey, so to, to to real quick though, so I did reach out to uh, our good buddy Sly No. I just kind of asked him like, hey, you know, you got any funny stories? So he uh, he wanted me to kind of talk to you about when you maybe broke uh, Craig Cox, who Craig Cox, you know, played in the NHL, great player. Um, <laughs> but he, he said that you might have uh, broke his tooth. Uh, can you can you can you tell that story real quick?
1: Well. When I first started coaching in Tulsa, I wasn't far, well, I, I guess I, I, when I retired from the NHL in, in 1983, I did a couple of years of television work for the Edmonton Oilers in, in Edmonton, and then I got an opportunity to continue to play, and I went and played uh, in the British League in, uh, in Dundee, Scotland. I was a player coach. And then I went to Peterborough, England, which is about 60 miles north of London. So I played all the way up to 1990. Uh, then I got a call from Glenn Sather uh, to coach the team. A guy from Edmonton had bought the, the International League team in Phoenix. And I coached that team for a couple of years. And then uh, Ray Miron gave me a call and said, listen, we're re- restarting the, uh, the Central Hockey League. Uh, would you be interested in coming back? Ray Miron was a general manager in, in Tulsa when I was uh, 17 years old and came and played my first game for the Tulsa Oilers. Yeah. So I, he'd known me for years and years, and he said, we'd like to have you come and coach the Tulsa team. So that's how I e- ended up in Tulsa. So I wasn't that far removed from playing. I, I work out all the time, and I I, I wanted to stay in shape. So – our practices, when we practiced, when I got Coxie and uh, Dougie Lawrence and, and Sean Clouston and uh, Taylor Hall and all these guys in, in the Tulsa Oilers organization, uh, I would run practice uh, every, you know, and I would jump into the drills mm-hmm. and do part of the drills. And uh, if there was a centerman that was hurt and wasn't playing, I'd, I'd take his spot on that line and, and I'd actually do the practice. So I was still skating okay. And then what we did after, Tommy Corrales is another one of those guys. Uh, He still lives in Tulsa. Uh, Sly was there. I mean, we had some great players. Oh, so many. You know, you go down the list of all these different players. I got so many.
0: Oh, hey, we'll we'll get to that just in a second, Gary, because I want to end with it because it's really, yeah, it's my most important thing. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Oilers here in just a second
1: okay so so what what we did was we practiced we did our practice and then after practice we we did what they called mini hockey so it was three on three we actually did it in edmonton when i was playing with gretzky and all those guys Mm is at the end of practice the coaches would leave the ice and you'd throw your sticks in the middle and gretzky or Mark Messier or somebody would get down on the knees, and they'd throw three sticks over here and three sticks over there, and that was your team for the day. Mm-hmm. And you'd play three on three in in one end of the of the of the ice with one goalie. Anyhow, so we started doing that, and then and then Coxie and these guys got together and they made teams. <laughs> so I think I was played with Taylor Hall and Sean Clouston. That was our team,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then Coxie and Mike McWilliams and you know, different guys. And anyhow. Uh, so we ended up staying out on the ice as long as we wanted to do and play this three on three game. And, and yeah. I was always against Coxie, and and the games got pretty hev- hot and heavy. <laughs> and I'm you sure. talked about stuff and stuff like that. Coxie's one of the toughest guys uh, in hockey, yeah. And yeah. uh, and I whacked him, you know, we were battling in the corner, and I whacked him in the head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey. <laughs> for, for, for any for anybody listening though we probably might need to kind of give some background into Craig Cox though but Craig Cox I think he scored the first uh for San Jose he got drafted by San Jose I want to say he scored the first goal for San Jose but he was just tough as nails if anybody but there's
1: went, a video out there of Rob, Bob Probert over.
0: oh Bob Probert and him have probably the best fight of all time so if anybody's listening yeah. YouTube uh Craig Cox Bob Probert they just throw fists in each other's faces for like two minutes straight that's pretty much yeah. all it is but anyway just to, just to give a little bit of background but sorry continue there gary
1: and coxie was a great guy i mean i've played with a lot of real tough guys and and fought tough guys and all that stuff but some of the nicest guys that i've met off off the ice are are the are the real uh tough yeah yeah fighting kind of guys in hockey oh yeah craig was one of those guys yeah but anyhow uh he had to go to the dentist yeah, have, so our, our mini hockey games were—they kept score and and the whole deal. I mean, it was a serious thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's funny. So, like, I want to I want to kind of um, you know end here, uh, or not end. We're getting a little bit closer. But um, so, like, the the biggest, you know, because obviously you've done all these kind of you know. Uh, great things you know in the hockey world and you know obviously are idle to to many people but my you know my upbringing was being you know six seven years old and going to those Oilers games when I was you know 92 92 97 is that when you coached yeah and then then for a little bit in 2000s but that that kind of 90s run or whatever I try and explain to people what those games were like I mean and and you knew you knew me back then I was just a little tight we were all running around we were still watching the game but you know you just run around you find all your hockey buddies and then you watch the game but you're just always kind of running around but we were just always there the place was packed there were su- it was such good hockey I mean those guys and and s- some of the guys that kind of stand out to me and you already kind of uh, listed some of those off, but like Luke, Dougie, Sly, Tony Martino, TK, Craig Cox, Mike McWilliams. Um, I actually have, and I think, actually, I think my mom still has this, but I have a autographed goalie stick. I think it was Brian Flats goalie stick, signed by yeah. the signed by the entire team. And I want to say that was because of you. I think my dad somehow got you to get that. But that was, as a young kid, I can still remember this, that just being the coolest thing I had ever gotten. Because that was my... Because, you know, the kids, we watched NHL, but, like, our team was the Tulsa Oilers. Like, we knew those people. They... You know, coached us during the summertime. I don't know if you remember the camps that we used to do, but like we, sure, yeah. we, we, we knew those players. It wasn't like they, they. It wasn't like somebody you just see on TV. They were there. They were part of the community. Um, and then part, you know, not to be whatever, but I feel like some of that's lost a little bit these days. It's like you know, if you want to kind of create that community and kind of whatever, like you, you, you kind of have to be involved in it a little bit. And you guys did such a such a good job with that. Um, so, you know, it's just, uh, I guess I didn't even really ask you a question. I just kind of talked about the Oilers for a while. But, I mean, what? I don't want you to try and summarize it, but was that as cool as it looked from the outside? I mean, we're talking sold-out playoffs. You guys won and I think it was 92-93, I think you guys won. But, I mean, that was just, from the outside looking in, it was some of the most fun times I might ever have in my life. I don't know. It was just so much fun.
1: It really was. Uh, you know, I was getting these guys... Uh, that that first year, I had eight guys that played in the NHL. I remember yep. sitting down with Coxie yep. and uh, and and talking to him and uh, trying to. I had to talk all these guys into coming to Tulsa. First yeah. of all, yep. I spent hours on the phone with Taylor Hall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they couldn't because I had a salary cap. Yep. The the most I could ever pay a player was, I think uh, it was four hundred dollars a week. Yep and give them an apartment. And a lot of these guys were pros that got paid and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, so and, and then uh, the thing for me with these guys is a lot of these guys sat on the bench. They weren't name players in the NHL. They didn't reach the pinnacle that they wanted to, yep. but they loved to play the game. Yep. A- and the thing about Coxie was, he said, I, I, I don't want to fight. He says, I I, I know I can fight, and I'm a big fighter, and that's a lot what they use me for at the the NHL level. But he says, you know, I I like to play hockey. I like to play the game. I like to score goals. I like to do what everybody else is doing. And I said, Coxie, I'm not bringing you in here to fight. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to put you on a line. I I see your skill. I see the guys that you're playing with and the the puck movement that you have. And I said, I just want you to have fun. I said, I want you to enjoy the game. I remember talking to Mike McWilliams on the phone. I'm quitting the game. I got tr- drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Islanders or somebody, and I'm not playing anymore. And, and I said, and and my my story was to these guys, I said, okay, just come to Tulsa for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. practice with our team, see if you like it. You don't have to stay, yep. but just just come and see what the atmosphere is here because I made an atmosphere where I was one of the players, I was, I was a coach. I had to make the final decisions. I had to make trades. I had to cut guys. I had to do all the other stuff, but I wasn't above these guys. Mm -hmm. I was with them. I was right along the bench with them. Uh, I, I, uh, I played with them after the game. I jumped, I practiced with them. And we had a fraternity there that was, that was fun to go to the rink. It was, it was, and and i knew if if we were like that i said uh, the, the the rules started changing after after i recruited all these veteran guys in there yep that they were trying to promote the league as a development league and i said we're not a development league we're an entertainment league yep and all, most of these guys that I have in here are not trying to get back to the NHL. They're not trying to get back to play. They're happy doing what they're doing. Yep. And I want to create an atmosphere for that. If you stay in shape and you have some fun coming to practice and you work hard in the games, I don't care if you're 50 years old and you can still make this team, you're going to be here. Yep. So so we we had a bond with each other. Uh, there was never any yelling and screaming at players and telling them that they were you know they needed to do this or they needed to do that. They just needed to play yep they just needed to to enjoy the game and 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 be ready to play and be in in shape uh, and and we could do that so so all these guys that had played pro and sat on the bench and not really got a really good shot at it and didn't get along with the coach, and the yeah. coach was miserable, and he was yelling and t- screaming at the guys when they lost a the game and all that stuff, uh, it wasn't that atmosphere. Yeah. And they came to me and they said, hey. And, yeah. and my question at the end of the season was, it wasn't that we won the championship, which we did a few times, but it was, okay how did you enjoy the year was it a was it yeah. a good year for you and are you would you like to come back and do this again yeah and every player said hey this is one of the best years i've spent in hockey
2: well it, and they the- all
1: wanted to come back well the, the longer that we we kind of dominated the league that's when the league stepped in and they decided that they wanted to uh, to break it up a little bit and that's when they brought in the veteran rule
0: Oh yeah, I remember, I do remember that. I didn't think about that until you just said that, but I can remember I can remember that. Sorry, go yeah, go ahead. That was yeah.
1: So what it what it did was the 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 uh, commitment that I had with these players about playing hockey and, and having fun and, and staying with the team until you were you know, until you decided you didn't want to play anymore all of a sudden it was thrown out the window because I was only allowed to keep three three of those guys on yeah, my team. Yeah. And the rest of the guys got s- spread out all over the league. Yep. Uh, so the camaraderie kind of dropped off a little bit, and had that not have happened, any one of these guys could have stayed in touch with Tulsa as long as he wanted. Oh, yeah. So it kind of was a, 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 a difficult time for us because we were all teammates and friends, and, and, and then I had to decide who I was going to keep and who I couldn't keep.
0: Well, and and, and so, like, the biggest, and I I think you kind of touched on it, but, you know, there's talks about, you know, I I think this is kind of a broad term, but some people are like, well, it's a player's coach. Like, players like him. It's like, well, what does that really mean? You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a player's coach. But even now – Every, I just feel like all those Oilers bought into you. It's almost like they, you know, because sometimes you kind of have players, this, that, that. It's like, there's so many of those guys that still love and care about you now. You know what I mean? Don't you still, you know, yeah. go around, see some of those guys, and it's like, that's... But it's like, you created that brotherhood. You, were, you weren't trying to be above them, like you said. You were with them. You were there You were there with them on that journey, or that, you know what I mean, or that process. And I think that Absolutely. that... Absolutely,
1: yeah. And, and we became really good friends. Uh, it it wasn't about me proving the fact that I knew more about hockey than they did. You know, there's a fine line between playing in the NHL and playing in the American Hockey League or the International Hockey League. It's a break here, it's a break there, it's a coach-like in here, whatever. The other thing that we really, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, it was really important for us to be involved in the community.
2: Uh, You you guys In the minor
1: hockey program and going out for fans, with fans after the game and uh, having a... With them and you know yeah. all that the fan club that was yeah. they were diehard Tulsa Oilers fans and the Tulsa oh. Oilers were just as important to them as the Edmonton Oilers are to oh to their. no it was so it, you know it, yeah it, I, I knew that and and so. Every guy was, you know, Mike Berger had.
0: A oh, how did I forget him? Sorry, go ahead. Thousand
1: guys following him, and yeah. and and Tony Martino and oh. uh, Luke Boselay. You know, you go through the list. sly no, sly, uh, and and uh, another guy, Tony Fiore, was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple of years, and uh, you know, there, there's names I'm I'm forgetting. Oh, there's
0: so many though. There's just so many.
1: Many names, but but. They came to Tulsa, and if you talk to them today about their career, and most of us guys, like I talked about earlier, I started when I was three, and I played hockey all the way through. So most guys have been involved in hockey for many, many years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever. I'll guarantee you, you get a hold of any one of these Tulsa Oilers guys, and they'll say that highlight of my career was was being in Tulsa, or one of the highlights of my career was being in Tulsa and and enjoying
0: hockey. But but you could tell that they just loved playing for you. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one of those to where – and I don't know the best way to say this, but, you know, when you meet 100 different people that all have all met the same person and those 100 people all have the same idea about that person, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, then that, yeah. that person is that person because there's 100 different samples and all of them come up. with it. And it's like, that's what I get from you. Um, and it's not, you know, cause I, I still talk to some of your old Oilers guys, like I said, or, you know, reached out to Sly a little bit earlier and kind of was uh, looking for some stories or, you know, for some, some juicy stuff there. But I mean, all those guys, like they still respect you to this day, you know what I mean? And that's just one of those things to where, you know, I've been around or, you know, was around Tulsa for so long to where it's just like, it, it you, you don't. At a certain point, if you're not the person that you're claiming to be, you'll get found out. But if you've been positively influencing a Tulsa hockey community for thirty plus years, you know what I mean? It's just that's yeah. that's you that's you being yourself. and it, it's the easiest if you can be yourself, it's just you you don't have anxiety. you don't have stress because you're just being yourself. You know what I mean? It's just you're being who you are. and you know, and sometimes it takes work if you're a coach because you're having to lead people. but it's it's just, I I've always kind of likened you as just somebody that has been so good at being themselves and positively influencing people, and everybody just has the same story of you, or everybody has the same. You know what I mean? It's just Gary, great guy. You know, it's just one of those to where. But that takes a certain just sort of like genuine. You know, I feel like anytime anybody talks to you, they feel like you're they're getting the real the real deal. You know what I mean? You're not putting on an act. It's just I'm Gary Younger. You know what I mean? It's one of those things to where. Uh, you know, it's just been really good for me. So one, one thing I do have to talk about real quick, and I didn't hear this story from Sly, but I heard about Sly. How, how, do you remember how you got Sly to come play in Tulsa? Do you remember that conversation at all?
1: Well, uh, I were, when, when the, they first called me, when they first called me, when Ray Miron called me, I was in British Columbia. I was working a hockey school in Penticton, British Columbia. And he called me and said, you know, are you interested in doing this? And I said, well, what does it involve? I I was actually coaching in Phoenix at the time. And uh, they told me there was a $5,000 salary cap. So you had $5,000 to recruit a team. We would pay for the hotel, or we would pay for their apartments and their furniture. uh, And then it was up to you to, to go out in the community and get a, a deal at uh, Olive Garden, and a deal at Ruckers and a deal at Wendy's, and uh, a deal at the gym, and a deal for golfing. That that the, you could do that, but you couldn't give them any more than than the normal person. So I sat down with a pen, and I I took five thousand dollars and I divided it between eighteen players. So I needed eighteen players to play, and it came out to two hundred and eighty nine dollars and some cents. Per player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Each, a week. Yeah. A week. Make it work. So so, then I was at a hockey school, so I was working with some other instructors and stuff like that and, and guys that I knew from around Canada. And I sat down with a few of the guys. One of the guys I'm still very, very good for, his name was Bryant Perrier. He's the first first player that I ever signed. He was a young player from from Penticton and he was a junior player and he was wanted to get into pro uh Sean Deneen the Deneen family oh yeah uh, he was another one of the coaches and he was still at that age where where he wanted to play a little bit so I sat down with these guys and I said listen I got this offer and I don't know if it's going to work or not but would you play in Tulsa for 289 dollars a week <laughs> And they said, "Well, listen, it, it, it's pro hockey, and and we want a chance to prove ourselves. And uh, I would, I would love to, I would love to play."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I signed these two players, and now all of a sudden, I called them back and I said, "Well, okay, I'll coach the team." And then you you basically did this. There was no internet or anything like that. No, you basically had people that you knew in hockey that. Uh, knew other people, and I had coached in uh, in Phoenix. I, I told you I was coaching in Phoenix, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, some of the players that I I got in Phoenix were were on the bubble as far as you know, American League, International League players, they were still good players, but they came from all over the place because we were an independent team and we weren't, we weren't uh, affiliated with anybody. So none of these guys were under contract. They were only playing pro for me with the, with the Phoenix Roadrunners, uh, because they weren't affiliated with any NHL team. So Mm -hmm. we had all a bunch of misfits in Phoenix. So uh I knew that these then the LA Kings took over our franchise so all of a sudden now all the players that were coming to to be in Phoenix were were Los Angeles Kings players and all my players that I had recruited by myself were they were out the window because they never had a contract mm mm-hmm. So I kept in touch with those guys as well and when this job came I started calling these guys and there was a guy named Nick Boyle and he was a big defend or a big left winger and he was from Montreal and and I said, Nick, I know you're struggling right now and you may not get picked up by another team and I just got a job with the Tulsa Oilers. I can't offer you a lot of money, but what do you think about coming to Tulsa? And he said, you know, we went back and forth and back and forth. And, and he said, yeah, I'll come. And he said, I know a guy in, in Toronto, or I know a guy in Montreal. These guys were from Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, he said, I know a guy in, in Montreal that's, that's connected. They're playing summer hockey, and it's Tom Corrales. Ah, oh, yeah. And I, he said, here's his number. Give Tommy a call. And, and see what he has got to say. Anyhow, I called Tommy, and he said, nah, I'm not playing for $289 a week. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, and we, we ended up, you know, these conversations went day, next day, next day, next yeah. day, next day. I mean, there was, it was never just call Tommy Corral, yeah, I'll come and we'll, we'll come and play. Yeah. Like, I had to talk to these guys, uh-huh. and one of the funny things, and, and, and you could talk to Sly, and you could <laughs> talk to all these guys from Montreal, Uh, about this because, uh, I, I was actually, I had a, uh, I I spent my summers in Phoenix. Yeah. So I was in Phoenix. I went back from British Columbia to Phoenix before I was going to go coach in Tulsa. So I'm I'm phoning these guys just like I'm I am today. I'm in Phoenix and I'm looking out the window and there's palm trees and, you know, it's 100 (laughs) degrees and I'm sitting by the pool and all this stuff. And so I call I call these guys in Montreal and they said to me, uh, we we were kind of on a little bit of a conference call and they said to me, uh, you know, what's it like in Tulsa? (laughs) And I said, well, I said, I'm sitting here and I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing palm trees and I'm sitting by the pool. Anybody <laughs> so I was actually in Phoenix. So when they came, when they actually came, they were they said to me, well, where's the palm trees? <laughs> and I said, oh, I was in Phoenix when I told you that. Anyhow, long story short, uh, I got a hold of Tommy yeah. and I talked to him and talked to him and Tommy said, well, he said, you can give some, somebody else less money than that. You can pay a guy. Yeah. You know, you don't have to give a guy $289. He said, I want to be the highest paid player. Yeah. I said, well, what do you want? He said, well, I want $500 a week. I said, Tommy, if I give you $500 <laughs> a week, I've got to go with eight players.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have no enough. yeah.
1: They were checking the salary cap and all that stuff. So yeah. anyhow, long story short, I gave Tommy the best contract that I had got. And he said, okay. I'm going to, he got a hold of Tommy Corrales, or Tommy called Tony Martino, Sly No. Oh. Uh, all those guys came together? The guy? There was some other guys.
0: They all came Anyhow, together.
1: He put all those guys, he gave me the numbers of these guys. So that's oh. how I started recruiting
0: oh. the guys
1: from Montreal. Man. Uh, Mario Nobili. Yes. You might not remember that no, name, I do. but he was a great player. And all of a sudden, I had all these guys in a group. Oh. And I had to give them a little bit extra money, and I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. You know, I guess I can go with two lines and and <laughs> four really good D, and and then my fourth line, the guys would be making a hundred bucks a week.
0: Yeah, 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 but their fourth line, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so that's how it that's how it started, and and uh, you know, Sly was was drafted by the Buffalo Sabers, yep. and uh, Tony Martino was a was a, a top notch goalie. Yeah, uh, you was. know, all these guys, and that's how I got Sly.
0: Oh man, that yeah. So it's funny. Just I, I kind of you know some people share a little bit of information, but I have it written down on my notes. I go Sly story with palm trees. That's all it is. Is Sly story with palm trees. I'm like, yeah. yeah. He thought he was yeah. coming. He thought he was coming for the the palm trees. But man, to get all those guys, like it, it kind of makes sense to me. It wasn't until you said it, but it's just like, oh, all those French Canadians all came down, and I mean, uh, so I don't know if you remember this about me, but when I started playing as a mite. I started, I mean, I always played out and then I always played goalie as well, but um, since I was a goalie, Tony Martino was like my hero. He was just, you know, and always just so cool. But then he always just kind of had that little edge to himself where he wasn't going to be messed with. You know what I mean? Yeah like it just he just kind of had just enough of an edge where he was kind of that crazy goalie but uh i mean did did you feel like he was a leader on that team he i i loved that whole team but he was just one of my favorite players
1: yeah he was he was he was uh you you had to calm these guys down yeah i mean they were they were you know there's i could go on and on about the stories oh yeah yeah oh we're 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 playing and, and they were all connected yeah, You know, they were all real good hockey guys. They weren't, they were, they were connected in, in, in the hockey world. Like we, uh, one of the, uh, the, uh, uh, Hanson brothers, you know, the,
0: yeah, the Hansons from Slapshot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. From Slapshot. Uh, Jack Carlson was coaching in Memphis mm-hmm. and we go into Memphis and we're playing in Memphis. And they've got this guy named Dougie Lawrence on the team, and he's just a maniac on on the ice. And we play one game in Memphis, and then we go away, and we come back, and we go. And the next time we go to Memphis, uh, the guys come to me, and they said, listen, uh, Dougie Lawrence is fighting with uh, Jack Carlson, and and he he doesn't like it there. So we played the game in Memphis, and after the game, they brought Dougie Lawrence and now this is tampering. You know, he belongs mm-hmm. to another team. He belongs to Memphis. So I said they brought him down to the bus and introduced me to him and 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 said, you know, we need to get Dougie on our team. He he would help our team. I didn't know who Dougie Lawrence was, but I, I knew he was a really good player and he was a, a little bit of a head case. <laughs> so I said, Well listen, I can't I can't be talking to Dougie. I said, You guys wanna to talk to Dougie? That's great. But I said, I, I'm, I'll meet him, but I've got to go over right now and I've got to see Jack Carlson mm-hmm. because I, gotta, I can't let the other team yeah. think I'm stealing players. Yeah. Anyhow, went over to talked to him. He said, no, nah, I'm putting that guy out of hockey. I hate that guy. He's, yeah. he's this and he's that, and, and I'm, 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 I'll never help him get anywhere.
2: Yeah.
1: And I said, well, okay. So I let it go for – it was about two weeks, and I called him back and I said, listen – What's happening with Dougie Lawrence? I just want to get him out of here. The guy's had cancer.
2: Yeah.
1: I said, Okay, let's uh how about how about we make some kind of a deal? He said, Okay. And I don't even know what I gave him, but he gave me the rights to Dougie Lawrence. All right. Let's so go. Dougie f- fits in with this group, but again, he's a maniac. Yeah. And the more time I spent with him, you know, he was pushing me in certain areas. Like I could see how coaches would say to this guy, we don't want this guy on my team. Yeah. The same thing happened. And he wasn't the same same guy as as Dougie. But Sean Cluston was going to go to Wichita. Mm -hmm. And I sat down with Sean and, and, and explained to him what we were doing in Tulsa. And Sean ended up coming to to Tulsa instead of Wichita. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I had a line of of Sean Clouston, Dougie Lawrence, and and uh, uh, Sly o Yeah. You know, that's a top line. <laughs> yeah, in no, a no. League. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know,
1: so that's kind of how the that's how the and and each guy took a little bit of a cut. I spent mm-hmm. hours on the phone with Taylor Hall,
2: yeah.
1: uh, talking him into coming. And I one of the reasons he came was because I I said he could be assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You know the title would be there and and, and and things just started falling together and and the guys that came that said that they hated hockey and they wanted to quit hockey and i 'm not playing anymore that came for that couple of weeks at a time uh, once they got there they said i 'm staying. yeah you know this is we 're having fun or we 're going to but, practice, and hockey 's fun, and the coach isn 't yelling at me, and he 's letting well, me play and you know and we we 're traveling and and, and and things are 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 fun yeah. and and if if the job that you're doing isn't fun yeah why do you want to do it well, why do you want to go to the rink if you're not enjoying the game but i mean uh, and i made it i made it fun for them because i wanted to have fun
0: right it, but it, it's just one of those to where you earned their respect on their level you know what I mean? If that make yeah. if that makes sense at all, is because it's one of those to where you know not all hockey players are gonna go in and immediately res, you know kind of respect their coach, but well, you know once they realize that like, hey, this guy is a he's a real deal. Like he's he's a hockey player. He's a you know because yeah. so, sometimes the certain well, coach
1: you, you have to be honest with him. You can't you can't BS him.
0: Oh, it, you got to yeah. be really honest with him and tell him
1: if you tell him something, yep. you got to live up to it. Like I've I've had young players that you wouldn't even remember. Uh, later on, when they had this this veteran rule, where where I would go in and meet with their parents in in, in Edmonton and and talk them into coming to the Tulsa Oilers to play hockey, because I needed some. We had to have we had a rule where we had to have three rookie players, and I had players that I sat down with their parents and told them, you know, that they were going to be in Tulsa uh, if they signed with me, and they came down, and they weren't quite good enough to play yet. Yep. And the players were coming to me and they're saying, why are you keeping this guy? And I'm saying, I gave a commitment to their parents and to this guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And by by the end of, of a couple of months where the guy was sitting on the bench and not playing very much and he was getting better and better and better, and all of a sudden he became a player yep. uh, because I didn't change my mind and say okay uh, I told you that you were going to be in Tulsa all year but now I got to change my mind cuz you're not good enough to play. Yeah. I kept I kept those players. So I never lied to anybody about what was going on other than the palm trees.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey. And hey, that's just a secondary. That's just a, an accessory. The palm trees weren't there, but uh, the good coaching, <laughs> you know, uh, certainly was, but um and I've actually brought this up on the podcast before, but there's plenty of times and I've previously i've likened it to like younger players you know i've coached i mean i've coached every age group but you know last year i coached the mites and um a lot of the times people don't realize that like those even in little kids they're smart they know when they know when you're lying to them you know what i mean yeah. and as soon as you do that everything else that almost kind of comes after that is like if if you're questioning your coach's Uh, drive or motivations or or anything like that because because then at at that point everything is kind of fractured if you want to think about coaching as like a base like you're the base of your team you're you're kind of keeping everything together if there's little cracks in there because of you deciding to be you know disingenuous or whatever like that it, it creates all these little fractures and then that 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 base breaks but if you can be like open and I I would almost say vulnerable at times if you can kind of be vulnerable and say and be an honest and just an honest human being like nobody's expecting a hockey coach to never have feelings or to ever make mistakes or to ever do these things but if you can just be a a genuine human being and a, a good coach it goes a long ways the the problems with the coaches I've had issues with and you know, like I said, most of the time my dad was my coach, so I didn't have this issue with him, but it's just trying to pretend that it's a perfect person. You know what I mean? Like the, nobody's perfect. Oh, you like, can't,
1: can't do that.
0: It, it, it It's just, it's it's about being a, a, a almost a vulnerable, vulnerable human being and being, because they're vulnerable to you, they're vulnerable, they're, your players are vulnerable to everything, so you almost have to be that way with them too if they're having an off day. Like, you know, not saying a coach can have an off day, but as long as you're communicating that in the right way, I feel like it works.
1: Well and and there wasn't anything I asked them to do that I wouldn't do myself with them.
0: Oh absolutely. We good. were
1: going to the schools, we were going to you know, we were going for uh you know, to to visit hospitals and uh all sorts of different things in the community and everybody knew the Tulsa Oilers. Everybody Oh yeah. Everybody it was like a it was like a uh a, a pro team. I can't in, I, I in... can't
0: describe I can't describe it to people. It's really, really yeah, hard.
1: Describe can can you
0: remember the the uh the parade we had when yes. we won the championship. Yes. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember all. Like, yes, because I remember they gave us speed of
1: the city. <laughs>
0: oh, but hey, and I can remember. And this is just something that kind of pops up in my mind, though. But like in the there was a big parking garage right outside the convention center. And when we would win a game, honk 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 honk, and it would all echo. It would echo through that that parking garage to where everybody's just like, win, we won't, we won. But I mean, just it was just. Like I said, I like you know what it was. I know what it was, but it's so hard to describe it. You're like, yeah, we had a hockey team, like it was a minor league hockey team, but we were really good. and you know, just everything, it's just the the excitement and just energy of that center and then just, you know,
1: it was just yeah, it, it, was, it was amazing. And Jeff Lund was the general manager uh-huh. and he was he was uh, strictly on the uh, you know the uh, uh, sponsorship side of of the thing. so. Mm-hmm. I I had the run of the whole hockey uh, program. Like nobody ever yeah. questioned whether I wanted a guy, whether I didn't want a guy. If I, if I gave a guy, if I gave a guy a a, a commitment. I couldn't go to that guy later and say, "Well, listen, you know, Jeff Lund doesn't want you. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. the general manager of the team. I really want you to stay on the team because I want you to be friends with me. But, but he wants to cut you. So I, I'm not really cutting you. Jeff Lund is right. That's I, a... I was responsible for yep. everything. Yep, and he let me do that. He, we became really good friends, and he let me, he let me run the hockey part of it. He trusted me, and 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 everything worked really well.
0: Okay. well, Gary, um, man. I, so I usually keep these episodes to about an hour. I don't think that we've gone much over an hour. Uh, today we were almost an hour and 40 minutes. So I, I really feel like I could talk to you a lot more and I, I don't know. I feel like we need to figure out a way to stay in touch. Cause I've, I've really, uh, I've just really enjoyed this Gary. Um, but we're getting, we're getting towards the end here. So I'm going to try and wrap this up and, but okay, is well, it,
1: if it, you have some other questions that you had on your mind, I can answer them. I, I, I tend to you 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 say one thing and all of a sudden it triggers about fifty things oh that no no no, no. I, yeah remember
0: yeah no so <laughs> so the weird th- the weird thing is Gary and everybody that's come in here knows this I put together like some notes, but they don't have to be hit upon I just want this to be a natural conversation so like most of the notes that I actually put down uh, we didn't hit very many of them, but it doesn't matter just because <laughs> I enjoyed talking to you and it was all you know what I mean if it's natural go with that if you know you feel like whatever then you have to kind of look at things. There, there were certain things I wanted to ask you or talk to you about, but I think we covered all those. So I think that we're uh, we're, we're we're good on there. But uh, so we usually do this thing at the end where we do kind of a a, a shout out, or you know, if you want to, you know, say hi to anybody, or it could be an idea. It Doesn't have to be a person. But is there, uh, you know, any whether or not it's your wife or your you know uh, kids or anything, you you can shout out anybody. But this is kind of the opportunity to do that
1: well obviously you know there's a wide range of different type of people in my life uh, my 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 whole life has been hockey yep and uh, you know just to the hockey community to the young kids that are that are trying to make it uh, just don't be too you know you want to be you want to be the best you possibly can be, and you want to work hard, and you got to do all those things, but you, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You Absolutely. have to have fun. The parents have to let the kids be kids. Yep. They ha- I, I'm, a, I'm a multi-sport guy. I believe in all sorts of sports because it's all athletic ability. Yep. Uh, obviously, I'm going to pick hockey if, if you want to go to one sport. If you have to pick one. I think it, it's play football and soccer and hockey. My little grandson living in Oklahoma this year, is mm-hmm. a, uh, he loves hockey. Oh. He's playing hockey there with, uh, with uh, the Tulsa Oilers, uh, Junior Oilers. Awesome. Uh, so
0: you'll be around for a while then, yeah?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be kind of in and out there. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm so anyhow, shout out to the Tulsa Oilers. They they were a, a main part of my my career and uh, and and the, the, all the the hockey community, the parents that are that are allowing their kids that opportunity to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my family that that has spent a lot of time. I've spent a lot of time away from them because of hockey, yep. and now we're getting time to spend together. You know my families and my. I have three girls, two in Phoenix, and seven grandkids, and they're. Uh, oh. You know, uh, we're just having fun, uh, loving each other.
0: Hey, that's that's awesome and amazing and all of the best things. And uh, so, if I can be honest with you, real quick, Gary, though, I just, you know, I'm really used to having people on the podcast. That they're just kind of my buddies. Like I've known them, you know, for a long time or whatever. This is kind of the first one to where I was like. You know, I know Gary knows me. I know that he's a family friend and all these things, but there's a little bit of me that's like, oh, like I'm I'm just kind of nervous, but that's just because I do hold you in such high regard, but at the end of the day, I felt really good because I just I knew that you're just a genuine person and I can usually have good conversation with genuine people. Um so I just really really appreciate you having, you know, or com- coming on the podcast and Doing all that stuff, um, I know that I would be missing out on an opportunity to, you know, to obviously let you know that you know, uh, my dad and I, and I'm sure most of the people in you know, the Tulsa hockey community, like not only do we respect you, but we love you. You know, we, we hope you all the best. And, um, I, I just really, really appreciate you coming on. It was, it was super awesome. This, uh, this one's gone, you know, longer and later than, than all the other ones, but, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cool too, to just get kind of a background of, you know, I was growing up. I didn't know what was on the other side of, like I said, my favorite teams were the ones that uh you were a part of but um gary i just really really appreciate you coming on um i mean don't don't be uh, there might be a chance i might because there's a lot of actually stuff that there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about that i had actually listed on here uh so don't be surprised if i maybe reach out to you again uh and try and get you uh on the show you know at some point so anytime
1: you know i'm i love doing this kind of stuff and like i say it it triggers a lot of things that i've you know that are in the back of my memory yeah, bank. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are are right out in front, but uh, a lot of really good memories and uh, my time in Tulsa and and the people that I've met there and uh, you know to see you as a little kid and and where it's <laughs> taken you, the different avenues that that some of these guys uh, that, that didn't actually play pro hockey yep. but has allowed hockey to be a, a major part of their career, whether mm-hmm. it be on the medical side or the TV side or the radio side or, yeah. the, you know, all, all those things, that, that hockey is such a great uh, uh avenue for bringing people together
0: oh it's the best it's the best and i uh i hold that to be the truth and i think you do too um so gary i i really really like i said really appreciate you coming on and i'm gonna reach out to you again because we we have a lot of stuff to talk about you've got my numbers (laughs) hey yeah no yeah I, I, i i i certainly do and uh i'm sure most people listen to this uh they're going to think it's a good one because you're just, you're a genuine person, Gary. And I just, I really appreciate that uh, about you. Now, that's not the only thing, but, you know, just, it, it's really good to just have some genuine conversation with another another hockey guy. I really appreciate it, Gary.
1: Okay, Adam, you have a great
0: day. All right. Hey, I'll talk to you later, Gary.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Right. Well, hey, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. Um, I'm going to give a shout out real quick to, um, Colton Garrett. Colton Garrett is a uh, young kid. He's about to turn seven. He's been doing lessons with me for, God, it seems like the past couple years. But uh, anyway, he's just worked with me, worked with me, worked with me. He's just getting so much better every time that he goes out. And uh, not to be whatever, but there's just certain kids that... You just feel like they are all in into skating hard and doing the right thing and following you know kind of that instruction. So I wanted to shout out Colton Garrett and his dad Wade. Um, I think his dad Wade listens to the podcast. but anyway, Colton's uh, he's one of my favorite guys. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I hope you guys liked the episode. It ran a little bit longer than the, uh, previous ones, but, uh, anyway, if you haven't already, um, follow us on the things, share us on the things, uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, whatever the thing are we on, Podbean, there's other things. Rubes Brews has two new beers. Reach out to Rubes Brews, Instagram, Twitter, And, uh, I don't know, get the pineapple, shake your... Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But there's two new beers. Go and uh, check them out. All right. Hey, check us next Thursday. Later, guys.